This isn't Grandma's radio show. We talk about slobber knocking fights. Ground and pound. Rear naked jokes. Plug your ears if you don't want to hear it. It's coming up next, another brand new episode of Sucker Radio. This is MMA fight music producer Mikey Ruckus, and you are listening to another edition of Sucker Radio with your host, Jeremy Brand. Be sure to catch all your mixed martial arts news and interviews and updates at www.mmasucker.com. I can't believe this can happen. Welcome back, suckers, to another edition of Sucker Radio here on MMASucker.com. I am your host, as always, Jeremy Brand. And on today's show, we are joined by British Columbia's own Julia Budd. She has fought for all the major organizations out there for the women. And this Friday night, she makes her Bellator debut against Gabrielle Holloway. She was expected to take on Talita Noguera. But she pulled out, and Holloway will be stepping in in Julia Budd's Bellator debut. Also joining me today is undefeated 15-0 Tarzan himself, Sean Strickland, who will be fighting at UFC Fight Night 61, February 22nd, against Santiago Ponzinibbio. Um, this guy's 19-2. and He's very decorated, and Strickland will have his hands full. However, he's undefeated at 15-0 training with a bunch of beasts um, leading up to this training camp and making his 170-pound debut at UFC Fight Night 61. So those are my two guests for the day. Justin Pirro um, takes over with his unpopular opinions midway through the show. He'll have a guest for that one. It's always fun to listen to him banter back and forth with his guests these days because it's a lot of fun. Before I get to my guests, however, we have a ton of... A ton of big fight announcements that have happened this week. Uriah Faber returns to 145 pounds to take on Frankie Edgar at the UFC's first trip to the Philippines. They will be heading to Manila, and Faber will take on Frankie Edgar at 145. A lot of the Team Alpha Male guys said this was going to happen because TJ is the king at 135, so Faber would be making the move back up to 45, where he was once the king. Another fight, UFC Fight Night 68 in New Orleans. Daniel Cormier takes on Ryan Bader. Wow, wow, wow. Um, we predicted this. Uh, Mr. Uh, I forget who it was over at MMASucka.com, but whoever did the What's Next piece the last time Daniel Cormier fought said that he would take on Ryan Bader in his next outing, and that is the case. Yoel Romero and Jacare Souza, that fight is rebooked for UFC on Fox 15. It will now be the co-main event, and it should be a lot of fun. This weekend, we have a triple threat, triple header for fights. Um, WSOF 18 goes down this Thursday night. Tonight, if you're listening to the show live, um, when the show drops, WSOF 18 goes down Thursday night, live on NBC Sports Network. Marlon Marias puts his bantamweight title on the line against Canadian Josh Hill. Um, also, we've got Bellator, as I said, Bellator 133 this Friday night. And Saturday, we have on Valentine's Day, UFC Fight Night 60, Benson Henderson versus Brandon Thatch. Henderson making his debut at 100. 
and 70 pounds. Uh, should be an interesting one. I'm not going to talk about these cards too much. Before I get my interview, I've said that twice now, I'm going to thank my sponsors over at DraftKings. Uh, as you know, DraftKings has now entered into the fantasy sports realm, the daily fantasy sports. That's what DraftKings is. They do everything from NHL to NBA. They did the NFL. They had it on lock. And uh, now you can head on over to DraftKings to do MMA. This weekend, $30,000 prize pool. First place takes home $5,000, and it's only a $2 entry, which is free with your first deposit. If you're new to DraftKings, make your deposit, and your entry fee is waived for this MMA pool. The top 4,000 people will be paid. Not like those other guys where only the top 2, 3, 4, 5, 6 are getting paid. The top 4,000 are getting paid. Like every other fantasy sports um, betting site, daily betting site, DraftKings has a salary cap style drafting $50,000 to give you guys five different fighters. Doesn't matter if they're fighting each other or not. You can pick any one you want and you have $50,000 to spend. As I said, a $2 entry can net you $5,000 for first place. MMA Sucka listeners, enter in the promo code M-M-A-S-U-C-K-A. That's MMA Sucka, and first-time depositors at DraftKings will receive a 100% bonus up to $600. That means you're getting your money back. That is right. Head on over to DraftKings. Make sure you enter in the coupon code MMA Sucka, and that is yours. Joining me now is a man who holds a 15-0 MMA record and will make his third appearance inside the Octagon <laughs> at UFC Fight Night 61. Please welcome Sean Strickland to Sucker Radio. Sean, thanks for joining me today, man. Man, I appreciate the phone call. Now, first off, most new guests to the show, especially fighters, I like to ask how they got into the sport of MMA. So what was your process like? Um, I started training when I was about 14 or 15, and um, I just kind of fell into it. You know, I never really had an intention on being a fighter. I just... I just needed an outlet. You know, I had a lot of aggression and anger when I was a kid, and, and I just fell in love with training. You know, being a fighter is just a byproduct of that. Being a California boy, was was there any other sports that you played growing up? Um, You know, actually, my dream was football. I played that for eight years, and then and when I got into high school, I decided everyone told me you had to keep a 2.0 and you had to not get kicked out of school, which apparently I was incapable of doing at the time. <laughs> what did your What did your friends and family think uh, right off the hop when you started training and and actually got inside the cage? Um, you know, my family. Uh, they were, my mom was a little bit hesitant about it, but. I think my mom understood that I had aggression and it was a good outlet for me. You know, it's crazy because, like, me as an adult, it's, and me as a kid, you know, I was, I'm so much different, you know, I was more of, um, it's just different, you know, I was a lot more withdrawn, more of an introvert. And once I started training, I started, um, kind of stepping out of my shell a little bit. So, and all in all, they thought it was a good thing. You are still very young, though. I mean, uh, before we get to talking fighting, you were actually named Prospect of the Month to watch over at our website, MMASucka.com. So for the month of February, you are the prospect in the UFC to look out for. Congratulations on that. And would you really consider yourself a prospect still? 
Um, you know, until you make it to the top, I feel like I feel like I'm a prospect. I mean, it's only my third fight in the UFC, so I'm still kind of young, and I'm still kind of young, and I have a lot of room to grow. But you know, I feel that I feel that if if I could get my game together and start performing like I do in the gym and what I'm capable of, I mean, that prospect, you know, I'm to change a potential UFC champion. Although I have a long way to go. Yeah, because you 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 started in the sport professionally in 2008 amassed a serious winning streak, which you're still on. Are you surprised that it took you that long to get to the UFC? Um, you know, no, not at all. Like, like I said, I never intended on being a fighter. You know, I, it was just a byproduct of training. And when I was a kid, I always kind of dreamed that I watched the guys on, on the UFC, but it, I think a lot of the reason why you fight is because it scares us. You know, we're just, we're trying to overcome something. And then I never, to be honest, I never thought I'd ever be here. <laughs> I wanted it, but I never thought I'd ever be here, you know? So it must be, it must still be surreal. Yeah, you know, I mean, it's... I got my GPS going right now, on the phone and driving. Oh, man. But no, anyways, yeah, no, it's, it definitely is. Like, every day, it's funny, I wake up, I'm like, oh, I'm a UFC fighter, you know? I'm like, I still feel like I'm, you know, I'm not... I'm just the kind of the same loser kid I was that just <laughs> have an actual I'm good at. For sure. Now, be, you your last outing was a very close split decision victory um, <laughs> against Luke Barnott. What did you learn from facing that guy? And, and are there any key areas that you found that you had to work on to avoid a similar outcome? You know, dude, fighting is such a mental game, as you know, people know. And... Now, say you brought Luke Barnett to the gym. I mean, I would run him over and I would just, I would play with him. But in a fight, you know, there's a lot more things going on in your mind. For instance, like, you know, the later rounds, if you miss a takedown, if you fatigue and this and that. And I really, my brain was overworking and overthinking. Like, I, I learned that I just need to shut it off and just do what I do. And not think so much about what I do. And I think that was a big reason why I wasn't pulling the trigger with that last fight. Does you said mental training? Does does the fact that you went so far with the guy does that get into your head as well? Because I noticed on your record, ninety percent of your victories, if not more, ninety five percent of your victories have been in the very first round. You know what I mean? I've I've had a five round fight before that was a pretty active fight. So I mean, I know I can do it. You know, it's just like I. It's funny. I had a I had a kid come up to me, a high school wrestler, and he um he lost the match. And, um, you know, he was like, well, you don't know what it's like. You've never lost. And I'm like, yeah, I haven't lost yet. But there are some days where I step in the gym and I'll have an amateur go toe-to-toe with me and take me down and submit me or, you know, a white belt. And there's some days where I wake up, I'm like, dude, you're, you're a piece of shit. Like, you do not belong in UFC. Like, how do you let this guy just destroy you? And then some days I'll jump in the gym and I'll spar some of the best guys in the world and completely dominate. And I feel like, oh, I am, I am the best. I am great. You know, I have an opportunity to do that. So, you know, it's just everyone has their day. And, and that's where the mental training comes in, where you have to make every time you step in the cage your day. For sure. You, now, so now you're taking on Santiago Ponzinibbio, if that's how you say his last name, who's arguably the most experienced fighter you've faced, but not the biggest name. Were you surprised at all with this opponent after beating Barnott, who is a more well-known name? Um, 
Well, it's it's completely different, you know. Like with Barnett, you have a completely different fighter than than Ponzinibbio. Barnett is a very awkward, hard guy to fight, you know. And and as you can see with all his fights, he's very awkward and he's hard to fight. I think Ponzinibbio is he's more of like your every average day sparring partner, you know, so he's not so awkward. You don't have to play as much games or back up or do certain things to spar to fight him like you have to do with um, Okay, so do you do you watch much tape? Is that something that you do? You know, you obviously know that this guy is a well-rounded fighter, but you don't have to think as much. Um, you know, when it comes to tape. I've watched a little bit. I'll probably watch a lot more on Friday, you know. I mean, maybe that's my coach's job. My coach's job is he's to watch it, he's to prepare me and then I try not to I try not to absorb so much of him like throughout my camp because I mean, I just feel like it makes you think way too much. I mean, if you have me watch this tape right now, I'm gonna go to the gym and run eight miles, you know? Yeah. Just because it pumps you up, gets you going. So I just I try to just almost avoided, you know, until, until I have to, until the, until the week of the fight. For sure. You have, no, that's it. Yeah, I can't enough to know what he does. Your Barnot fight was last May. Um, what, what was the layoff like? Did you, did you like having the time off or, or was it a pain in the ass? Well, you know, the, the thing with, um, the thing with the Barnett fight with the layoff, well, why I took it so much faster than what I wanted to was, because, um, you saw it. Why Can you use the right lane to take the San Diego freeway left? No, I'm driving like a maniac right now trying to get on the freeway. <laughs> you know, I took the fight with, um, I didn't really want that fight. And I have a bad habit of just not turning things down. So, like, I should have turned the fight down and said, you know what, well, I really want to get down to, I really want to get down to, um, 170, and I should have said, no, UFC, I'm not doing that. But, you know, I'm not the guy that does that. So, when they offered me the fight, I just jumped on and I took it. So, this fight coming up is at 170, correct? Yeah, yeah, no, exactly. This fight is different. You know, I wanted this fight. I want to fight. I, you know, so the one, you know, I, I, it's hard to do a, take a fight when your head's not in it. And I don't think my, really my head was in the fight, but this fight, you know, I wanted, I was the one that was bugging UFC to get me on a car, and I didn't care if it was in Brazil. I didn't care what country it was in. I just wanted to fight. Did they offer you other fights during that layoff, or, or was this the one? Did you do a practice weight cut? I, I mean, what was the layoff oh, yeah, like? I definitely did a practice weight cut. You know, well, I, I dislocated my finger, so then you know I was out for a couple months, and then and then I started doing my practice weight cuts, and I felt comfortable enough with the weight, and then the Brazil card came up, and that's when they offered me, so I just wanted to jump on it. You you just. It, the 70 weight class, it's obviously very stacked. Is is that a division that you just feel you'll be that much stronger in than 85? You know, I mean, you take this uh, Ponzinibbio guy, and, I mean, he's a big 170-pounder. Like, I feel like I feel like if he went to 185 pounds, you know, he would be he would be a decent-sized 185-pounder from the pictures I've seen and what I've seen. So, I mean, it's not really... The size will play an effect. I just, I just thought it's a way better fit for me. I thought it's right. I, I don't. I don't care about who's in it, what competition I have in it. It's just a better fit for me. 
For sure. Now, you dominated, obviously, King of the Cage back in the day. Those were your first fights before you got to the UFC. How different does it feel, the competition-wise, in the UFC in comparison to those King of the Cage fights? Oh, man, it's it's not even it's not even comparable. I mean, yeah, I, like I fought an ultimate fighter in, in King of the Cage, which, you know, he was a tough fight, but when you're <clears throat> UFC is the best organization in the world, which are the best athletes in, in the UFC. So, I mean, it is definitely, definitely way, way harder in the UFC. But at the same time, you know what? That's when you just have to look at yourself and, and know that, you know, you're better than those guys. Like, you have it within you to, to beat all of them. And a lot of it is confidence. If you don't, don't have the confidence, you don't belong in the cage. Did you find your training had to change when you made the jump to the UFC? Yeah, no, I uh, I completely switched up my training. I left my old gym, you know, and then I went to Millennium with Larkin. And this camp I did, um, I did three weeks up at Dethrone with Koscheck. And then the last two weeks I was at, uh, I'm not rain right now. So, you know, I definitely, I definitely picked up my training. In a quarter nice. mile. Now with right, a, right on to Central Avenue. With a win over the Brazilian yeah. in his own backyard, what would you like next? What would I like next? You know what I mean? Time will tell. Like, I mean, how I win, you know, I will win, but how I win, how, where is he going to put me at? If I go and if I go and just mop him up and, you know, it's an easy fight, yeah, jump me back in the cage, just keep climbing the ladder. But, you know, I'm the kind of guy, if I go and I, and I see a hole in my game, I want to fix it. Do you have? So, I mean, after this fight, after I win, you know, I just I want to keep climbing the ladder. I want to get ranked at one seventy, and I just want to move up. You know, keep moving up for that title shot. But like I said, it's only my third fight, and so I got a long ladder to climb before that even is uh, that's even in the picture for me. Do you write down your goals? Do you have short term goals, long term goals? What's the twenty fifteen calendar look like for you? You know, man, that's that's all my management. I just I just want to fight. I want to fight well. Every opponent of the UFC gives me I want to beat them I want to beat them I want to beat them impressively and then I'll take it from there but you know I'm hoping to get three to four fights in this year if uh, all goes well sounds good now one last thing I think if I get three to four fights in this year say what no go on yeah go on oh yeah I'm hoping I could get three three or four wins this year it'll put me in a good ranked spot for 2016 to really make my mark in the one seventy pounds for the you know for a title shot, but you know that's that's a long way down the road, and I have a long roster of guys to beat before I get there. For sure. Now the big news this week, uh, we'll move away from your fight, and we'll, I'll ask you one last question here. The big news, and last week obviously was the Anderson Silva failed drug test. As a young up and coming fighter. Um, well, not super young and not so up and coming because you did start fighting in 2008. But you must have looked up to a guy like Anderson Silva. How do you feel about the decision? I mean, PEDs is, is what he popped for and the backlash from the public as, as, as sort of a young guy coming up in the UFC. You know, man, I, I loved Anderson Silva. I still do. He, he revolutionized stand-up. I mean, he's definitely, he's Muhammad Ali of the UFC when the way he stands up and the way he moves. He's done what no one's ever done before. And, you know, he, he's an older guy. He, he snapped his leg. And it's not just Anderson Silva. There are so many top guys that are, that are on performance enhancing drugs. Like, it's, I hate to admit it, but there's a lot of guys on it. I think if you get popped, they should ban you. There should be no... 
there should be no second chances. There should be no, well, it was an accident, my injury. They should ban you completely. I love Anderson Silva, but they should ban him completely. And that, it's funny because if they did that, people would stop taking it because the risk would be too high. Definitely. I'll tell you a story. That I was talking to a boxer. Yeah, I was talking to a boxer who, um, I mean, he has million dollar paydays. I was asked him about steroids and you know the usage and all that, and he told me that you know he could find fifty thousand dollars and he can't fight for six months. But you know when you're at that top of level. You don't care if you don't fight for six months. You just made a big paycheck. You pay off, you know, if you get caught, you pay the athletic commission their 20 grand, which is no big deal to you. And then you just move on about your business. So, I mean, what I think they need to do, they just need to ban guys. Yeah. I... But then again, like, when you say ban guys, I mean, the athletic commission doesn't want to do that because they're not going to get their cut. The athletic commission, one guy's a pop, you know? <laughs> If, if a high-profile guy pops, that's money for them. So it's one of those kind of like revolving door cycles of if you have, like, you have to pay to play. Exactly, and it's a bit of a double-edged sword because, I mean, he popped prior to the fight, and the fight still happened. Exactly. Exactly. That's, that's funny. I posted it on Twitter, but um, I was like, it's funny how you could test positive and they let you fight. And they do that because they want to make their money. It's it's even like with the criminal justice system, you know? It's just how it works. Like, you see criminals who have money, you know, like, how did he get off? And because they can pay to play. And it's one of those sad things, and I hope that one day in the future we can fix the corruption. But as of now, I just can't see it happening because everyone wants money. For sure. All right. You know? <laughs> That's my thought. If you pop, pop ban them for life. I, I couldn't agree more. I mean, it, it, it would definitely clean up the game. Oh, yeah, no, and even me, like, I would train with high-profile guys who, who I know are doing it. And you can tell when you grab them, you can just, you can tell there's something extra to them, you know? They're, and, and, you know, you take Jones, which is, um, was it his count, like, ridiculously low with the testosterone count? Yeah, it was. Yeah, you know, and like, why is his count so low? Obviously, he's doing that, too. <laughs> I mean, I mean, for, for, I mean, this just makes sense to me. Like, if his testosterone count is so low for being a young male that works out as hard as he does, he's he's not just doing cocaine. He's doing something else. I think you should ban him too. But then again, Jones is a million dollar draw to ban, so it's just never gonna happen. Yeah, definitely. Now you spoke about the mental game. Final question before letting you go. Mentally speaking, how do you see and picture yourself winning this fight um, in Brazil? You know what, the, the thing about, the thing that separates the great fighters from the okay fighters, we're all training the same way, we're all doing the same stuff. Great fighters are able to mentally handle fights better, and I feel like Ponzinibbio, every fight he fights is the exact same, and I think I have the tools to exploit what he does, and I, I don't know how I'm going to finish him, but I will finish him. He is Sean Strickland. You can catch him live on Fox Sports 1 main card of UFC Fight Night 61, February 22nd. Sean, man, it's been a pleasure. Just let people know where they can get a hold of you in the social media universe. Yeah, man. Um, I don't even know my social media. That's as much as I go on it. <laughs> I honestly have no idea. Just Google me. If it comes up, follow me, add me. Uh, if you have any, if you ever want to hit me up on um, Facebook or Twitter, I'll fly any questions you have, or, you know. The more exposure I get, the better. So, yeah, I'm here. Perfect, Sean. Thanks, and, and good luck in Brazil, man.
Yeah, I appreciate it. Have a good one. All right. Hello again, everybody. It's me, Justin Pirro, back for more unpopular opinions here on Sucker Radio at MMASucker.com. And I am joined by one of the men who has made MMAfighting.com such a powerhouse in the world of MMA media. He is Mr. Mike Chiapetta. How are you doing today, Mike? I'm good, Justin. How are you? I'm good, thanks. So uh, first off, I want to start with something that you actually tweeted a couple of weeks ago. You mentioned a bit of an echo chamber in the MMA media. I was just wondering if you wanted to go more in depth on that. Are you talking about how the media tends to click up in a way and uh, just bounce opinions back and forth and reject anything that might challenge it? Um, I think when I wrote that particular tweet, I was talking about the overall media in general, Um it was it was actually a dumb story. It was something that had to do with the Super Bowl, and it was saying that you know people drank like 300 million cases or beers during the Super Bowl, which is like 16 beers for every man, woman, and child. And this just repeated like it's fact, which that's obviously ridiculous and not not couldn't possibly be true. But I mean, it, it does speak to a larger point that yes, I, I think that. There's problems in media in general, and, and of course in MMA as well. I think uh, we see that from time to time. People, a lot of media tends to take things at face value and doesn't really look into the issue maybe as much as they should. And I think part of being a good journalist is being very curious and not just accepting facts for what they are, uh, for for what they're told. Um, you know, I think we saw this a little bit with some of these drug tests that came out recently. Uh, you know, with with John Jones and and, and some others, Hector Lombard, who, uh, you know, they they kind of came out the timing of their the admissions or the timing of, of the public uh, disclosure was you know seems a little suspect. Um, so a lot of people kind of tend to think immediately like, hey, uh, you know, the the then the Nevada State Athletic Commission is is doing something wrong here. They're um, maybe they're playing fast and, and loose with the rules. Um, you know, there's a way to get some of these answers. You know, there's there's a way to dig. Um, try and call the the lab that does these tests. It seems like it takes it takes a while for journalists to understand that. Instead of just, you know, a lot of them will just rather throw out an opinion than go out and do the work. Now, we found out that yes, the Nevada Commission didn't pay for an expedited test, which they could have done. But if, if you know anything about the way drug tests are done, they're always done anonymously. The people who are processing the test in the lab in Utah, they don't know it's John Jones test. Anybody, you should know that. But even if you don't try and find it out, you know, talk to some people, do some interviews, do some reporting. Uh, it doesn't take a lot to do it's much easier to throw out your opinion, which is what we see people do. And I think, you know, that's, that's a little bit of laziness and that leads to the echo chamber. Do you think that's symptomatic of the majority of uh, the people covering MMA coming from a blogging background instead of getting journalism degrees? I mean, that could be a little bit of it. I, I certainly, you know, people who, who blog and, and maybe don't have that, that jur- journalism education, or maybe just even a, an appreciation for it. They didn't grow up thinking they were going to be a reporter. Um, but yeah, I mean, blogging is pretty much just taking what someone else has reported and maybe putting a different spin on it. Um, 
if you're a really good blogger, you'll add something of value though. And I think the really good bloggers, you know, are journalists. They're, they're capable of digging for information and making calls and adding information that's relevant. Um, but a lot of, a lot, let's face it, a lot of them are either overworked where they're just trying to pump something out or some of them are just lazy where they don't care. They're just figure adding their opinion is enough. And that's the problem with so many of these people calling themselves journalists. I, I try and avoid that entirely by calling myself a pundit. That way I'm allowed to have an opinion. Yeah, I mean, I don't even care. It doesn't even matter to me so much what, what it's, your title is. Um, that's really kind of neither here nor there. It's, it's just like, you know, if you're going to put yourself out there as a voice of authority on any subject, try to know as much as you can about it. And if you don't know the answers, because nobody can know the answers to everything. I mean... You know, I, I've been covering sports for a long, long time. And when all this stuff about testosterone replacement therapy and and things started in MMA, I mean, that's something that was pretty new, you know, like in, in, in society, right? So it's your job to kind of go and dig and learn about it. And not just from people who have a vested interest in hearing the information presented in a certain way. Go and talk to doctors, go and talk to, you know, people like that who have actually studied this stuff. Um, I, I think that, that that's just being a smart person, but it's obviously important in, in the job that you're trying to do as well. Yes. And uh, I want to go back to the uh, Hector Lombard situation here. Uh, I know that not a lot of people were surprised when it came out that he failed a drug test, but uh, do you think we're at a point where we can't, even be surprised anymore when fighters are getting caught or it i'm just i'm sorry this it's just everything's gotten to be pretty crazy <laughs> since anderson silva got busted yeah and i'm just i'm not surprised anymore well i mean that's the thing i mean who who at this point would surprise you you know i mean i think we've all been a little bit jaded uh covering sports but i mean obviously sports is just a microcosm of life Right. I mean, everyone who's had any kind of life experience knows that people cheat in things. People try and take shortcuts, whether it's in school, whether it's at work, whether it's in sports. So I don't think sports is anything different than the rest of the world. But, you know, I think a lot of us, you know, we want to have these notions of purity and that these Athletes who, by and large, I mean, they're all hard workers. You don't get to this level by being lazy, but you want to have, you want to keep this sort of pure ideal that they are doing all this through nothing but hard work and sweat and blood and tears. And, you know, unfortunately, that's, that's not the case. Um, I think we have to always look at sports. I think I tweeted this a couple weeks ago. I mean, I think at this point, we have to look, when we're watching any kind of sporting event, we have to look at it knowing that somewhere on that playing field, it's tilted in someone's direction because they're cheating. And that's just how it is, man. That's just kind of what we have to accept as fans. I'm not saying, you know, there shouldn't be any efforts to fight it, but I think we have to know that deep down. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I mean, we know that life isn't fair, so I suppose why should we expect sports to be? Exactly. I mean, everyone is born with certain gifts. I mean, John Jones, everyone talks about his 
incredibly long reach and how that gives him a huge built-in advantage, which isn't fair. Um, everyone has advantages in life. Some, some people, you know, when you look at like the range of testosterone in a normal healthy male, it's a huge range. It's something like from 300 to 1100. So obviously the person with a, a testosterone of 320 is sort of at a natural disadvantage from someone who has a testosterone natural level of, you know, 10, uh, a thousand. Um, but that's just, so, so, you know, is it fair for him to try and make up the ground? I mean, you know, there is kind of a slippery slope on ethics, but yeah, I mean, there, everyone's always trying to make up ground. I mean, the, the playing field is sometimes tilted against you naturally. And I guess it's kind of human nature in a sense to try and get things at least on even a lot of, you know, cause let's face it. A lot of athletes are doing steroids because they either think or know that the majority of other athletes are doing it. They're just trying to stay, you know, even with them. They're, they might not necessarily trying to get an advantage. They might just be trying to stay, you know, on the same playing field. And that's, it sucks that they have to be in that situation, but that's where we're at. And it's not changing. Oh, and I mean, even if the UFC were to uh, go ahead and try and get someone, an outside third party, to do the drug testing, would it really help all that much? And given how much you have Vada nipping at their heels, I don't even know if they would be the best ones to do it because it seems like they've got too much of a financial interest in it. I apologize for that. Sorry about the phone. Yeah, I mean, I think the one thing we all have to be really aware of here is that in a sense, you know, the UFC has obviously tried to do something in terms of fighting PEDs and, and things in the sport. Um, and by doing that, they, they hurt themselves. Let's be honest. I mean, if they said, you know, this is not our job at all, we're not going to, we're not going to put any money into this. You know, all we're doing is, you know, just follow the letter of the law in terms of what commissions want, um, they would be a lot better off. I mean, this, some of these fights that are being canceled or, or, or fighters that are being suspended due to positive tests um, probably would not be caught. I mean, they, they, you know, Nevada probably wouldn't have the money to do this enhanced testing that, that has caught several fighters already. Um, so the UFC is hurting itself by, by, you know, contributing financially to these tests. But I guess it's under the assumption that, you know what, sometimes things have to get worse before they can get better. You just, you know, the thing is, I mean, there, there's always going to be this cat and mouse between the people who are cheating and the people who are trying to catch them. It's always going to be there. It's just a matter of how much we can decrease the numbers. That's true, and uh, it's also a matter of how hard they're willing to go, because look at how long it took them to bust Lance Armstrong. It was, what, a decade? Yeah, yeah, Lance, Lance Armstrong was cheating for a long, long time, along with many of the other riders. I mean, he's that's the other thing. It's like <laughs> the punishment that's sometimes served by the bigger names is, is just, it's almost unfair. <laughs> when you look at Lance Armstrong, I mean, he's the guy. I mean, obviously he was by far the most, most rec- recognizable name in cycling. So many other guys in that sport were dirty 
and he's the one that's just you know always going to be at the top of everyone's list and emblematic of of cheating and cycling. Same thing with Barry Bonds in baseball. Um, and you know now you have to think you know Anderson Silva is probably going to be looked at the same way unless he's somehow able to successfully appeal the result of his drug test. Um, but you know he's he's probably going to be looked at the same way. I, I guess if there's one silver lining for him, the well, there's probably two. I mean, one is it seems like steroids in MMA are a lot more, I don't want to say accepted, but people just kind of recognize it's part of the system. And two, there's been so many scandals in other sports as far as PEDs goes that Anderson Silva doesn't sort of register on the same level um, that, that Lance Armstrong did and that Barry Bonds did. All right, uh, that's perfect, and you know it's a perfect way to end this. And I really want to thank you for your time, Mike. Uh, do you have anything coming up soon that you'd like to plug? Uh, not really. <laughs> you know, if people want to follow me on Twitter; they can do so at Mike Chiapetta. Uh, two P's and two T's is how I spell it. All right, and uh, of course, if anybody has any complaints or grievances, hit me up at Twitter at Stormland Brand. And I'm going to throw this back to Jeremy after a word from our sponsors. You know, there aren't many things that MMASucker.com, Joe Rogan, and Stone Cold Steve Austin can agree on. But one of those things is on it. That's right, on it. One of the world's premier supplement companies is back and they're bringing you their new and improved T+. And don't forget, they're also responsible for that much-vaunted alpha brain as well as shroom tech, sport, new mood, and a variety of other supplements. They're also there to help you out on fitness with their kettlebells, their legend bells, and their primal bells. So, onit.com is the place you can go for total human enhancement. All within the bounds of the law, of course. Including WADA. So, go to onit.com. You want to get some savings? MMASucka.com has you covered. Enter promo code MMASucka. That's M-M-A-S-U-C-K-A. Just like the website. And get yourself a little extra off when you make your order at onit.com. Joining me now is one of Canada's biggest female talents, and she will take the Bellator cage this Friday night. Please welcome Julia Budd to Sucker Radio. Thanks for joining me today, Julia. Thanks for having me on. Now, it's fight week. You're in the hotel preparing. How is California treating you? Uh, it's been awesome. You know, we got in yesterday and, um, yeah, just um, about to go do a gym workout and, and just kind of doing what the week, um, what they want us to do. So the photo shoots and everything come on tomorrow. So, Will you uh, be vacationing there a bit following the fight? Yeah, actually, we're gonna we're gonna spend a few days down. We're gonna drive down to LA after. Nice. Now you haven't stepped in the cage since December 2013. That was a victory under the Invicta banner. Almost a year later, you were signed by Bellator. What what happened there? Why no other fights with Invicta? I mean, you did fight four times for the organization. Yeah, you know there was a there's a little bit of a lull after. Um, I fought Charmaine Tweet with, with what they were doing. I didn't know um, we were going to maybe fight in the summer, and then that just it just wasn't the right timing for us. So I spent 
spent the year just getting better, working on a lot of the weaknesses that I that we felt I had, and um, getting stronger. And then when we found out from Bellator, we got a call from Bellator in in August, and it just seemed like it was the right time to sign with a new organization. And um, we were really excited with what they said they were going to do with our weight division, with my weight division, and and uh, it just seemed like the right thing to do. Was there any talk with Invicta, or it was a straight to Bellator, a no-brainer? No, it was it. Was- there was talk with Invicta for sure and, and just finding out what their kind of their path was going to be. And this just felt like it was a no brainer. We found out that they signed Marlos Conan and that they were looking to sign the best in, at 145. And um, that's my weight division. And so it just felt like it was, it was a great opportunity. And now your upcoming bout at Bellator 133 was originally slated to be against Talita Noguera, but she was forced out. You'll now take on Gabrielle Holloway how do you personally prepare for last-minute replacements? Is it something that's happened to you before in the past? Yeah, for sure. You know, I, I experienced this a lot in my Muay Thai career as well as my MMA fight. So two of my Invicta fights were last-minute, I think, eight-day notice replacements. And it just, you know, I think when you're preparing for a fight, you kind of come up with these game plans. But at the end of the day, a fight's a fight. And, you know, you prepare you prepare for everything. So, um it just, you know, I was just so happy and and I was really grateful to get a fight on the card still and it not be canceled. So when we found out that there was an opponent or replacement, we were just happy that I wasn't canceling the fight. For sure. Now, were you able to see any tape on this new opponent, or is that not something that that you, that you like to do? Yeah, I know. I like to I like to know my opponent for sure. We studied it and we we looked at her fights and what we could find of them and you know. And I feel like I feel like right now I'm I'm in the best shape of my life and I'm, I'm the best mixed martial artist I've ever been. So I feel, I feel very confident, um, going into this fight and whoever it was going to be, you know? Um, and then we were, we're happy that, um, that I got an opponent at all. So yeah, I'm, I was just pumped to get in there for sure. Yeah. You said the year off, um, made you sort of tweak some of your game. Uh, you're known for your kickboxing, Will we see a Julia Bud 2.0 out here? Is it going to be a whole new version of you? Yeah, you know, I, I definitely want to utilize all the new skills that we've been working in the gym. And and um, I feel like now I'm not just a Muay Thai kickboxer. I'm, I'm more of a mixed martial artist. I can use my wrestling. I can use, use my ground and pound. I can use my stand-up. And um, I'm more comfortable in the cage than I've ever been. So, yeah, I'm just really excited. With a victory here, what are your goals going forward for the 2015 year? I mean, we still are very early in the calendar. What What's on the horizon for Julia Budd? You know, I want to fight as many times as I can in 2015. Um, and hopefully, yeah, there'll be a quick turnaround and I'll, and I'll get right back in there. But, you know, the, the main goal is, is this Friday night and accomplishing that goal and then stepping forward from there. So I'm not overlooking her. And, you know, I feel like everybody, any of my opponents would be the, is the most dangerous person that I'm fighting because, you know, without a win, then there's, you know, there's, we, who knows what happens ahead. So it's really important that I win on Friday night and, you know, I put on a great performance and then from there we'll, we'll kind of see how the year goes. It's a multi-fight contract with Bellator, correct? Yeah. Three-fight contract. Three-fight contract. Have have they spoken to you at all about what their developmental side for the women's game is? Like, are they going to be putting these fights on more consistently? Yeah, you know, I think that I think they're trying to build the 145-pound division, and, and I think that it's important to have these exciting fights happen. So 
us put on a great show on Friday night and then, and then, you know, and then hopefully another fight coming up with some of the other girls they've signed. Uh, yeah, but I'm not really sure, but I know that definitely, um, Scott Coker's committed to showcasing the women's fights and putting them on, on the spike TV. Speaking of Scott Coker, throughout your career, you've you've fought for some of the from some of the largest organizations around for women fighters. Um, how does Bellator stack up, and and what's your experience been like with them? I mean, you've you've seen what Fight Week is right now, leading up to Friday night. But overall, what's your experience with Bellator been like thus far? It's been fantastic. It's been easy. You know, it's just every time that I that I fight, it gets easier and easier to you know, the media, um, talking to the media, doing the photo shoots, all that. It's, it's just, it, you know, it's, it feels a lot like strike force. Um, I'm dealing with the same people that were, that I was dealing with in strike force. So it just kind of felt like I'm, it's like, a, I guess a bigger, better version of strike force. Nice. Now you have been in the sport for some time and you fought the who's who in the 145 pound division. Is there a dream fight that you have out there in that division, uh, going forward? Uh, not, no, not really. Like, I mean, I'd love to fight for the Bellator world title. That's my ultimate goal. Um, and whoever that is, whoever that's against that, that would be my dream fight, you know? Um, but as of right now, I'm just a hundred percent focused on, on Gabrielle Holloway. Finally, you are from British Columbia as are we at Sucker Radio here. So just tell your fans outside of the province, one thing that they might not know that would draw them to come here? About British Columbia. Um, I think it's the most beautiful place in the world. You know, we have the mountains, the oceans. Um, yeah, it's just, it's to me, it's the most beautiful place in the world. So you got to come and check it out. <laughs> she is Julia Budge. She'll take on Gabriel Holloway this Friday night at Bellator 133 live on Spike TV. How's that? Fighting on Spike TV. That's got to be pretty cool that the entire nation can watch you live on TV pretty much for free. Yeah, totally. I'm, I'm pumped. That just got me excited. <laughs> Thanks for joining me today, Julia. Good luck in your Bellator debut. And, and just let people know where they can get a hold of you in social media universe. Yeah, for sure. Um, you can follow me at Jewel604 on Instagram, Julia Bud on Twitter. And you can also check me out in Port Moody at Gibson MMA. Good luck this Friday night. Can't wait to see you in the rest of 2015. Thank you. There you have it. Another awesome edition of Sucker Radio here on MMASucker.com. Thank you to my guests, Julia Budd, as well as Sean Strickland. Good luck to them in their upcoming fights. Julia, this Friday night at Bellator 133 live on Spike TV. She will be making her debut. And Sean, next weekend in Brazil... UFC Fight Night. Check it out. These are some fun fights. Uh, thank you to my sponsor, DraftKings. Head on over to DraftKings.com. $30,000 prize pool uh, this weekend, Valentine's Day. The UFC Fight Night card, there is a $30,000 prize pool for just a $2 entry. And if it is your first time signing up, guess what? It's completely free. Free with your first deposit. First place takes home $5,000. A $2 deposit, $2 entry fee can turn into five grand if you are the winner. The top 4,000 people will finish and be paid. Holy crap. 
4,000 people get paid. That's unbelievable. I mean, usually these things, only the top two, top three maybe get paid. Well, this Saturday, February 14th, beginning at 4.30 p.m. Pacific time, your $2 entry could turn into five grand. It is a salary cap style drafting $50,000, and you select five fighters from this weekend's fight card. As always, enter in the coupon code MMA Saka or the promo code MMA SUCKA, and they will give first time depositors a 100% bonus up to $600. Enter in MMA Saka, get that 100% back up to $600. Head on over to DraftKings.com and get in on this $2 game that could win you $30,000. That's the prize pool. You could take home five grand for first place. I said that already. I keep talking. I'm so hyped about DraftKings because these guys have big things going on. They are doing so well. So support us by heading on over to DraftKings. I will have the link on this radio page. So head on over to MMASucker.com. Check us out. Follow us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter. Both search MMA Sucker at MMA Sucker on Twitter. Follow myself, Jeremy Brand 604 on Twitter. Thank you to Just Piro for his unpopular opinions. And with that, I'm out. The number one candidate. Calibrate levels of greatness as we collaborate. Mikey Ruckus, Jeremy Brand as we reactivate. Brand creates the show for the fans and it's magnanimous. Jury's out decision and the yes, it's unanimous. It's the radio, it's the, it's the radio, sucker, sucker radio. It's the radio, it's the, it's the radio, sucker, sucker radio. It's the radio, it's the, it's the radio, sucker, sucker radio. Come and listen, it's about that time. Yes, download the show or you can stream online. It's the radio, it's the, it's the radio, sucker, sucker radio. It's the radio, it's the, it's the radio, sucker, sucker radio. It's the radio, it's the, it's the radio, sucker, sucker radio. Come and listen, it's about that time. Yes, download the show or you can stream online. Else.